Hello, and welcome to the podcast that raises the sitcoms that raised us. Today's show, Just Shoot Me, Season 3, Episode 11, Slow Donnie, and our guest, comedian, Fallon Kidder, and we are Talking Sit. The song is called The Draft Dodger Rag. <laughs> count it off, George. Oh, I'd prefer not. Dickie, you count it off. No, no, you'd count it off, Tommy. You're the one with the natural rhythm. You're the great musician. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, we're just typical American boys from a typical American town. We believe in God and Senator Dodd and keep an old Castro down. That's the legendary Smothers Brothers performing Phil Oaks' anti-war classic, Draft Dodger Rag, accompanied on banjo by George Siegel in 1967. Siegel, himself an Army veteran, began his film career six years earlier in the film The Young Doctors, which was narrated by the anti-anti-war actor Ronald Reagan. Uh, Fallon, are you familiar at all with the Smothers Brothers? Not even a little bit. No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, good. I have so much to tell you. Um, I've read the book on them, their book. Uh, so you have Tom and Dick's mothers. Uh, they hosted a variety show on, I want to say it was CBS. I, it's been a while since I read their book. Um, in 1967, it started. I think it only ran for two years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you can tell, they're very like buttoned down, clean cut, like all American types. But they were like super subversive, super, you know, they're obviously like anti-war, pretty far left. Um, and they were constantly going to war with the network over that stuff. Uh, and George Siegel, he, I think he appeared a few times on here. Uh, he would not be the most famous or maybe most accomplished banjo player associated with the Smothers Brothers. That would be one Mr. Steve Martin. He was <laughs> a writer on the Smothers Brothers Variety Hour. Uh, but the Smothers Brothers are super uh, important in the history of comedy, and there's not really been anything like them. Uh, mm. And then, of course, you're familiar with Ronald Reagan, a uh, young actor by the name? Well, why, yes, I am familiar. Okay, good. I, I, I'll just leave it at familiar. Uh, what about Phil Oaks, the, uh, the folk singer? Oh, Garfunkel Oaks? Uh, close. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, yes. He was originally Garfunkel and Oaks. Um, so one year after The Young Doctors premiered in 1962, Stephen E. Levitan was born in Chicago, Illinois. Before attending the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Levitan graduated from Glenbrook South High School in Glenview, Illinois in 1980. Also in that graduating class was Eric, Eric Gilliland, who would most notably go on to write and produce for Roseanne. Now, Levitan would also write for Roseanne in the form of the episode Roseanne Returns, on the Larry Sanders show in 1995, for which he'd win a Cable Ace Award. Uh, Fallon, are you familiar at all with the Larry Sanders show? No, that's... Oh, good. Well, that's good, because you're going to hear a lot about it throughout this whole uh, spiel. Hey, is that who I think it is? <laughs> yes, we will get to that person uh, shortly. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I have my slides all in a row. Uh, what about Cable Ace Awards? Do you know anything about them? No. No, they stopped. I think they really only existed for like three years in the mid-90s, like maybe like 95 to 97. Um, it was basically, I think it was always on TBS, and it was just a way for Ted Turner to like make people pay attention to his programming. 
Uh, okay, I was born in 91, so I definitely do not know that. That is no excuse. You, you're telling me you don't go on YouTube and Google uh, 95 Cable Ace Awards to see nope. Charo and, uh, and Jamie Farr from MASH hand out an award? No, no. I'm more of a K-pop fan. Well, I don't think K-pop ever won a Cable Ace Award, and I don't think it's possible. Uh, <laughs> so it was actually on the Larry Sanders show that Levitan would work with titans such as Brad Gray and Judd Apatow. Prior Ooh. to that, Levitan produced 48 episodes of the series Wings, starring, among others, Tony Shalhoub, who would later star alongside Neil Patrick Harris in Levitan's Dark Raving Mad. Now, that was a lot of names I just threw out. Some of them have to resonate, right? Mm-hmm. Neil Judd Patrick Apatow. Harris. He was already Doogie Housering when you were born, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I guess maybe your introduction to Neil Patrick Harris was probably the Stephen Levitan series, uh, Stark Raving Mad, co-starring Tony Shalhoub of Wings. No, I think it was uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Ooh, actually, that's much better uh, <laughs> and more terrifying. Oh, um, quite terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so between these shows, Levitan found time to produce 24 episodes of Frasier, for which he'd win his first of an eventual six primetime Emmys. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and please choose your answer carefully. Are you familiar with the television program known as Frasier? Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. We can Yvonne continue. specifically said, you're not allowed to choose Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people want Frasier. I mean, when I get to the second season of this show, it's going to be all bets are off. It's just going to be all Frasier. It's going to become <laughs> a full Frasier cast. Mm. Um, so we'll get to this uh, guy you see here. Also in 1995, specifically December 5th, David Spade would make this joke, leading to Eddie Murphy refusing to appear on Saturday Night Live until December of 2019. Look, children, it's a falling star. Make a wish. <laughs> so you like that joke, huh? <laughs> you thought that was good? Or, or, was, or was that just your reaction to being like, Jesus Christ, that passed for comedy then? Uh, I mean, I like that joke, and I thought it was going to be a lot worse. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> I thought that too, um, especially since, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy came back to host just this past December in 2019, and this story got dredged up again, and I was like, it had to have been really bad. It really wasn't. But Eddie Murphy, I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but it's not much more. And he really took that personally. Um, now, specifically what he was referring to uh, at that time, I think the latest movie uh, Eddie Murphy had made was uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Have you ever heard of that one? No. Wait, the latest? I mean, at, when, at the time that uh, David Spade made, made that joke in when 1995. Did he make December 6, 1995. Okay. Milan came out in 98. Never mind. Uh, yeah. No, he would not touch Milan. Uh, this, was, this was really in the crater period of Eddie Murphy's career. Um, but, man, to be David Spade and take a shot at perhaps one of the greatest cast members of all time on the show that you're lucky to be on. Yikes, dude. Um, little fun notes about that movie, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. It was a horror movie directed by Wes Craven. Uh, and it was the only movie Eddie Murphy wrote until Norbit 12 years later, both of which he wrote with his brother, Charlie Murphy. So Norbit cost him, people say Norbit cost him an Oscar 
because it came out shortly after Dreamgirls, which a lot of people thought he was going to win an Oscar for, and rightly so. And then Norbit came out shortly after, and people were like, the Academy just kind of was like, no, we can't award him for one thing. And when he did one thing, that's not good. That's <laughs> not how awards work at all. They're not individualized. Um, but he was getting roasted by David Spade, which no one deserves. No, no one deserves that. No. Uh, Spade himself would leave SNL, where he'd appeared prominently since 1990, one year later in 1996. This was on the heels of two successful films with friend and fellow SNL star Chris Farley, Tommy Boy in 1995, and Black Sheep in 1996. George Siegel would also appear in a 1996 film with an SNL alum that Judd Apatow produced, Ben Stiller starring and directed by The Cable Guy. Uh, any have you seen the cable guy? No, you're allowed to see these movies, you know. Um, um yeah, that's what that's what my parents say. They're like, Oh, you haven't seen this movie? How could you not see this movie? And I'm like, Did you take me to see this movie? Legitimately, this one time they like rented Walk the Line and like watched it and then returned it without <laughs> letting me know. And I'm like, Hey, I want to see this movie. And their only response was, it wasn't that good. You didn't miss out. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. So he, I, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix did win an Oscar for Walk the Line, despite the fact that he did Norbit 2 just two months later. So, <laughs> I mean, I think you did miss out a little bit there. Uh, Norbit 2 is actually really good. It's the uh, classy piece of the series. Uh, so featured roles for George Siegel at this point were hard to come by. So he settled into a new career as a character actor while also playing himself in two episodes of The Larry Sanders Show, there it is again, in 1993 and 1995. On September 13, 1995, The Naked Truth would debut on ABC. Starring Taya Leone and a strong ensemble cast, including Tim Carey and Holland, Ta Holland Taylor, it centered on the wacky antics at The Comet, a sleazy tabloid with, among others, a conflicted principal journalist and eccentric boss. Sounds familiar. The show would run on ABC for one season before being canceled and picked up by NBC, leading to this all-time earworm that crawled its way into my brain 24 years ago and refuses to die. I am so sorry, but you must also hear this now. I'm ready. Now, meet NBC's newest must-see TV Thursday star. It's amazing that that advertising campaign didn't work. Um, wow. So did you enjoy that? Was that good? Uh, it reminds me of why I now only watch Netflix. Okay, see, I thought you were going to say it reminds you that The Naked Truth appears on Thursday nights on NBC right after Jerry. That's when it appears, you know, with George Wendt, the guy from Cheers. I don't know how you couldn't retain that information when it was put to such a funky rhythm. Uh Appearing in four episodes of The Naked Truth, the late 90s show about a magazine, would be none other than George Siegel. The Naked Truth was created by former Larry Sanders show producer Chris Thompson, who passed away in 2015 at the home of Tim Curry. Oh. Yeah. The Naked Truth would air its final episode on NBC in July of 1998, 
but not before sharing the schedule with another show about the goings-on of a magazine, this time fashion, with the March 1997 debut of Just Shoot Me. So by my unofficial count, we have two shows on the same network at the same time, possibly maybe on the same night, about the goings-on of an ensemble cast at a magazine. Now, I don't remember offhand when Suddenly Susan starring Brooke Shields was on, but that was also about a magazine, and I'm fairly certain that was also on NBC. This is why print is a dead medium. The late 90s ran it into the ground on Thursday nights on NBC right after Jerry. Um, here's creator Stephen Levitan talking to the Television Academy Foundation about developing Just Shoot Me and definitely not The Naked Truth. So as part of my deal with Brillstein Gray, um, I'll develop a show for you. Again, the tricky part there is I had never written an original thing in my life. So I appreciate the honesty and also that he probably saw The Naked Truth starring Tay Leone on Thursday nights on NBC right after Jerry uh, and was like, hey, it's a magazine show. How hard can that be to copy and duplicate? Also interesting, he's drinking out of a red solo cup in this uh, classy uh, Television Foundation Academy interview. Yeah that he clearly dressed up for and put on a suit for. But the best thing available was a red Solo cup. Um, fun. You can take the boys out of the frats, but you can't take the frat out of the boy. He was a Sigma Alpha Pi, I believe. There you um, go. I looked that there up. There you go, them Sig Pies. Those Sig boys, uh, Siggy Pies, they call them. The Brillstein Gray, by the way, that Levitain references, consisted of Bernie Brillstein, a one-time William Morris mailroom employee, and Brad Gray, who started his career as a, go as a gopher to an at-the-time concert promoter <sighs> named Harvey Weinstein. <gasps> yeah. Gasp, sigh. Ignonymous beginnings notwithstanding, Brillstein Gray would produce films such as The Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, The Cable Guy, and television shows ranging from The Sopranos and The Larry Sanders Show to The Jeff Foxworthy Show, and The Naked Truth with Taya Leone and George Wendt. You know, the guy from Cheers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition to George Siegel and David Spade, Just Shoot Me starred Enrico Colantoni, Wendy Malick, and Laura Sangiacomo as Maya Gallo, principled but conflicted journalist and daughter of eccentric blush magazine publisher, Jack Gallo, played by Siegel. Again, it, 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 I, I feel like they just kind of traced over the lines of what The Naked Truth had going for it. I know she didn't, she wasn't, it wasn't her father's magazine that she worked at, but she was also like a burnt out, frustrated reporter who took a cushy job. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was the deal with Susan, uh, Susan, what? suddenly Susan. Uh, I almost said suddenly Seymour. We almost had a little shop breakout here. Um, David Spade would be cast as snarky receptionist Dennis Finch. Here again is Levitan talking to the Television Academy Foundation about casting David Spade. And um, there was a little part of a, of just a tiny little part of Jack's assistant who was just kind of a gatekeeper. And um, one day Brad Gray called me and said, uh, we were in pre-production we were writing. And he said, what do you think about adding David Spade to the show? And David Spade was a client of theirs. And I went, love him, funny. 
<laughs> so you saw the eye roll he did, the the sly look off to the side when he said, uh, I knew David Spade was a client of theirs. So, uh, it's funny. Love him. Uh, through gritted teeth. Uh, if I had to bet, maybe David Spade was not exactly what he had in mind for this small role. Or if it was, maybe he would just play him once and be done with it. Yeah. I'm thinking he was trying to stay in Eddie Murphy's good graces. Uh, oh, by the way, Wendy Malick, uh, amongst her many, many roles prior to this, guest starred on an episode of Seinfeld. Seinfeld, of course, aired on Thursday nights right before The Naked Truth with Teddy Leone and George <laughs> Went, you know, the guy from Cheers. <laughs> just Shoot Me would run for seven seasons, ending in 2003, airing a total of 149 episodes. Brian Posehn would have a recurring role as Kevin the Mailroom Clerk, perhaps based on Bernie Brillstein's early career. And notable guest stars would include the likes of SNL alums Sherry O'Terry and Anna Gasteyer, Tyra Banks and Rebecca Romaine, future Parks and Wreckers Jim O'Hare, Megan Mullally, and Lucy Lawless, and the entirety of boy band 98 Degrees. Uh, the Naked Truth only had two of the 98 Degrees, and it wasn't the Lachey brothers. Also guest starring on Just Shoot Me would be David Spade's real-life sister-in-law, fashion mogul the late Kate Spade. I did not know that until I looked this up, but Kate Spade was married to David Spade's brother, Andy, I believe. Mm -hmm. That explains his unique sense of fashion and clutches. I, I didn't know that, but I did know that Brad Pitt was like in the same school or in the same grade as David Spade. Like, Holy shit. Who do you think won best looking every year? Oh, <laughs> David Spade. Who do you think won, uh, you know, snarkiest uh, hair flipper? Yeah, it's a toss-up, really. It is, much like the hair. So normally this is where I'd talk about the writers and director of the episode, but in this case, we've already covered those bases because it's all Stephen Levitan. Levitan, of course, would have his greatest success with Modern Family in 2009, which, much like Just Shoot Me, would, had, would have David Cross guest star in exactly three episodes. No more, no less. Okay. And that <laughs> leads us to why we're here tonight. Uh, Fallon, yes. why did you choose this show and why this episode? Um, so I wasn't aware, like I remember watching Just Shoot Me as a kid, like reruns, mm -hmm. and you know, it was, you were like a name a sitcom and that was the first one I could think of that wasn't like super well known and I wasn't aware that anyone knew of it like I didn't know that Stephen Levitin like wrote it because okay. I knew him from you know Modern Family and like a bunch of other stuff yeah and uh I'll tell you why I chose this episode um I only remember one episode from Just Shoot Me and it was where uh Elliot was like trying to tell Maya that he doesn't vote because he doesn't want to when it turns out that he's a felon this whole time and he's not allowed to vote oh, wow. and I didn't I didn't realize at the time that like just shoot me taught me that felons can't vote <laughs> is this where you you developed your your passion for prison reform and uh a absolutely did just shoot me radicalize you Sure. <laughs> Were you are 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 you part of the the uh, Marxist Stephen Levitan army? Oh, he has an army. I'm gonna. Well, yes. If you don't know already, then you're probably a part of it. You uh, were indoctrinated early. You were part of you were part of just the mass amounts of uh, teenagers who uh, were watching Just Shoot Me on reruns of 
what what where would you have watched that at? What what was that on when you probably saw the it? WB? Okay, the double double I think it's called my PHL now. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. At like twelve thirty in the morning, in between infomercials for like people with bad backs and no feet. No, this was like on that like six or something. Oh, okay. I've so this is when it was in its prime syndication time. Yeah, I I. I've, I really don't remember. I just remember watching this show with David Spade. And as a kid, I was like, I know David Spade. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but... pretty much exactly how he stayed on SNL for six years. <laughs> Every time Lauren walked by him, he's just like, oh, I know David Spade. That was my very best Lauren. Um, so I'm sorry. So why exactly this episode? You couldn't remember this episode though, right? No. no. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember I, this episode because you picked a doozy because i was trying to find the one with elliot being unable to vote so i googled elliot on like the wikipedia like the just shoot me wikipedia all the shows have one but while they mentioned that he's not allowed to vote they also mentioned that david cross plays his brother who's slow and uh-huh. i was like that one <laughs> so did, did, did you remember seeing that one before or was this all fresh to you now uh, I, I, once I, once, you know, we watched it before, but I, I do remember it now, but okay. I like, but it like went over my head as a kid. Cause I'm yes. like, what does climbing on someone like a tree mean? I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things about this episode that I would say don't age well on the surface, but yet they still get some parts of it right that I was not expecting. Cause I remember I watched this show a lot. Um, as a child who was an indoor kid uh and uh yeah i mean i also remember this was like maybe like my first exposure to brian Posehn, and then when i found out that him and then obviously david cross were like mr show guys and all that other stuff i was like oh okay so then this show must be legitimate because it has two guys who were from this very funny show that doesn't necessarily bear out that's not really how that works sometimes you can do one thing that's good say Norbit and then do another thing that's bad like I don't know Dream Girls. I think you I think this would be this would be uh Brian Posehn and and David Cross's uh Dream Girls compared to uh the Mr. Show that was Norbit. I'm saying just shoot me is probably more important to the history of comedy than Mr. Show. And I will fight any one. I'm done with that. Um so, Fallon, uh, do you have your brief TV guide-style summary prepared for the episode we are about to watch? Uh, I could say it very quickly. Uh, I mean, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm just not looking for... I was going to say I'm not looking for the Gettysburg Address, but that was also brief. I'm not looking for Ulysses. Uh, Unless I, you want to recite Ulysses from memory in lieu of this show would you do that i've memorized many a poem but ulysses mm. is not one of them because it's irish uh because it doesn't rhyme that's true yeah yeah poems legally have to all right so hit us with your summary of tonight's episode all right um maya tries to convince elliot's younger brother to do the right thing i like and- that was that it is this the one with the birds too? Yes. Yes, and 
Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. Is this all part of the summary? And is it <laughs> the one with the birds too? Because I feel like whoever was writing for TV Guide at the time would probably want to do that with Just Shoot Me. They'd be like, oh, is this, I don't know. Do they have the fucking birds in this one? I don't know. No, don't print that. Oh, you printed that. Oh, it's too late. Oh, okay. We're going to be a dead medium in 10 years anyway because there's three shows about our fucking uh, medium right now on NBC alone, including The Naked Truth with Tay Leone on Thursday nights after Jerry on NBC with George Went, you know, the guy from Cheers. Anyway, uh, back to your summary. I'm sorry. But no, it, it, I would like to end it with, and is this the one with the birds too, question mark? <laughs> That's, although I feel like you, it should be a question mark, exclamation point to um, be like, is this the one with the birds too? Uh, like, just go up an octave at the end, be like, because that would make me tune in. Because I would read it in the tone that it was intended. Nothing ever gets misinterpreted through text. Um, so that being said, we are going to take a brief time out so that I can make a little money with a little sponsored content. And we'll be right back at, with the watch along here on Talking Sit. Promotional consideration for Talking Sit is provided by... Hey, I want to tell you all about Peaks. It is a new podcast here on the Wasted Robot Network, hosted by John Koppel, where every Wednesday, John and a different comedian have lively discussions about the most memorable peak periods of the actors, musicians, and athletes that dominated pop culture in recent history. Uh, so if you've been alive at any point over the last 30 years, you're going to want to check this show out. Uh, early subjects include Ben Stiller, Britney Spears, John Candy, Eddie Murphy, uh, and me, I discussed Macaulay Culkin. Very, very formative to my young years. Uh, so check out Peaks every Wednesday here on the Wasted Robot Network and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on Talking Sit. Uh, we are about to press play uh, and watch this episode of Just Shoot Me, Slow Donnie. Uh, Fallon, if you would do us the honors of counting down three, two, one, and then we'll hit play so that anyone listening and watching along can do so. Three, two, one. All right. So, again, the cold open, what I do like about this episode is that the cold open isn't just a standalone thing here. It's, you know, part of the birds. Uh, subplot or the B plot throughout this episode. I always like when the cold open isn't just a disconnected thing. I, I, I actually dig like as an adult now. I actually dig David Spade as like a secretary. Okay, but only as a secretary. No, but like I, I like him a lot better. I, and I, I didn't find him as interesting as a kid as I do now. Yes, uh -huh. the birds. The birds the have um, so what, so then if it wasn't David Spade that drew you in as a kid, cause you said, Oh, I recognize him. Uh, was it, was it George Siegel? No, it was definitely, it was definitely Maya. Oh, San, San yeah. Laura, Laura, Laura as yeah. Maya Gallo. Yeah. She was like me as a kid, you know, mm -hmm. she was like responsible and on it and everyone found her annoying. And I'm like, this is who <laughs> I am. I thought you were just going to say your dad also ran a fashion magazine. I thought you were just going to go very on the surface. No, she was um, an, an annoying to everyone around her, and that's who I wanted to be. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, I, she, she's principled. 
principled but conflicted. I would say that much. She's mm-hmm. kind of the moral compass of this show, if there is to be one. Sure as hell isn't Dennis Finch. Which Finch. <laughs> Go ahead. Finch is a great, a great name. Yes, it is, especially in this episode because I was like, oh come on, they have to pay this off. And of course they do, and we'll talk about that later. So this theme song, I always play a little snippet of the theme song leading into the beginning of the episode. I had to loop this one because it's literally just like five guitar riffs repeated for like eight bars. Uh, so I am at an ad right now. Uh, oh, good. Cool. We'll see which one comes back first. Um, it's a race. It is a contest. Uh, Are you, watching sitcoms. Is it also Blaze Kettle Cooks? No, no. Just some sort of Fair Life milk, which... Listen, cows, life ain't fair. Get over it. I'm drinking your milk. Um, yeah, it's if sitcom, I wish sitcom watching could be turned into some sort of competitive sport. Because like they have, I don't know if you're into esports at all, but you like K-pop, so I'm just going to say yes. Um, but if they can make esports like a billion dollar a year industry, why can't I get paid just to watch sitcoms? And don't say become like a Nielsen family house or anything. Because I don't think those... Uh, I don't think Nielsen ratings exist anymore. I think they do. Okay, then what's the latest Nielsen rating for... Oh, man, what's this TV show that's currently on? So you can't name it because it's probably on Netflix, so it doesn't matter. Rick Rick and Morty? Okay, all right. So let's just, to recap, Rick and Morty fan, K-pop stan, uh, E-gamer. Insufferable, just like Maya. Wow, do you think that Maya... Uh, what do you think Maya would be doing today? Do you think, have you ever written any Just Shoot Me uh, fanfic? No. Where Maya and, uh, (laughs) what's that? You're back? Okay, pause it for a second and I'll catch up to you. I got about five seconds. Um, They're trying to teach me something about fire safety or something or not drinking and driving. Doesn't matter, not listening. I'm all about the Finch, baby. Uh, So the one thing, I kind of was thinking that this show is like dumb Frasier because obviously Stephen Levitan was an executive producer there, and they have the little, like, you know, title cards on Frasier that sets up the scene. They do the same thing here, but in a bit more of a clever way with it being on the magazine cover. As a kid, that definitely made me think this was a smart show. And I am not one to call anyone dumb, because I'm smarter than that, but it's not as smart as I once thought it was. I don't know. I still, I still dig it. You still enjoy it? Okay. See, maybe I am dumb then. Maybe it is smarter than I realized. Maybe I've actually just gotten dumber through years of not watching Just Shoot Me. So I also forgot that Elliot and Maya were a couple. Like pretty much the whole off and on. Okay. Yeah. Um, One thing I was disappointed by was that we don't get any Brian Posehn in this episode. He is honestly one of his, uh, he was always a bright spot to see on this show because I didn't really see any like absurdist weird for the sake of weird kind of comedy on NBC on Thursday nights after Jerry until uh, Brian Posehn in- invaded. You know, there was Beatlemania. There's a Beatle, the British invasion of the sixties. There was Poseinomania in the late nineties. You were not yet born, so you can't say there wasn't. I I was born. I just wasn't con like conscious. Right. So take my word for it. Now, here's another thing you weren't born for: uh, these pneumatic tubes that they find in the wall here, uh, which 
I can't remember what show this kind of reminded me of a plot from, but I mean, it's a pretty standard trope where... So are we playing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told you I was back. Sorry, you might want to fast forward a little bit, um, if at all possible. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Jack and Dennis find the pneumatic tube uh, in the wall, which where they find it at is super convenient that it just happens to be behind Dennis's desk like right there like what else would have been there for them to never mind um now i meant where uh elliot and maya go to i guess it's elliot's brother donnie's 30th birthday party i don't know if we ever see by the way we will not be doing a kitchen watch segment in this episode unless we talk about their office kitchen uh because we don't even get to see the kitchen here in elliot's mom's house her very very italian house uh I don't remember, do you obviously watched more episodes of this than I did. Is Elliot's family, besides his brother here, um, a part of the show on a regular basis? I wouldn't, I don't remember. I mean, I don't think that they could work them in organically to uh, happen to fit into the office of Blush Magazine, but it just feels like they we were supposed to know who his mom was already. She looks a little bit like Ellen Travolta, John Travolta's <laughs> sister. I th- yes yeah sure. Ellen Travolta played uh Scott Bayo's uh, mom or sister I don't know on Charles in Charge you're just giving me blank looks and shrugs yes you can believe me whenever I say an obscure no that's not even an obscure fact a, uh, sorry a pointless uh fact um so let's get into this David Cross is playing Elliot's brother Donnie and he um, is, he is, now I don't remember, the cause of his uh, impairment, if you will, is a traumatic brain injury suffered when he fell out of a tree trying to fetch a frisbee that Elliot threw, which causes him big guilt. Um, and he's grifting. We find out almost right away that he's grifting, that he's not actually that way. Um, and he's just a slime bag, scumbag, uh, hitting on Maya the whole time. Yeah. Uh, to, so but, everyone, everyone throughout the series hits on Maya, and I never understood it. But I see now it's because she's got huge cans. Well, there's also that. Yes, I mean she was a striking woman, still is. Um, she was in Pretty Woman, actually. Pretty Women. Pretty Women or Woman? It was Little Women, Pretty Woman. There was only one Pretty Woman in that, but I'd argue she was the second woman who was pretty in that show. Show movie whatever <laughs> listen i don't write for tv god you do the burns maybe um so i the so when when david cross is acting quote unquote slow we'll say for lack of a better word um it is played for laughs which is like you know the the late mid to late 90s howard stern shock jock type of humor that you were just going to find on thursday nights on nbc after jerry um However, we'll get to the payoff. I mean, he, he's clearly condemned by Maya, who, like I said, is the moral compass of this show. Uh, so we're not supposed to really be on his side or laughing with him. And there is comeuppance at the end. Uh, but when you suggested this show, this is on the heels of me covering the monsters with Jake Matera, in which a, a, a word that I'd prefer to not use popped up totally out of the blue so i was like okay cool 
I'll get I'll get a break with the monsters uh, when I knew I had this show coming up too. Uh, so listen, I'm I'm just dancing on some firecrackers right now. They, but they didn't. They never. I thought they would use that word. Yeah, they, they didn't. No, I think by this time it was pretty clear that you couldn't do that on network TV. You'd have to have a podcast to do that. You'd mm. have to be someone who pushes boundaries and takes risks on a podcast to do such a thing. Uh, <laughs> so. It is really great that <laughs> Jack and Dennis are just firing tennis balls uh, through the tube and it's just shattering everything in Maya's office. Like poor, you know, again, moral compass Maya doing nothing to no one and just having her office fucking wrecked. Do you see that computer though? I like... Yes. It. Yes. So that was one thing I noticed towards the end when I was watching this earlier. Uh, I don't think Jack does. I think we might see it later. Nina's desk does not have a computer on it. I'm not even sure Dennis's uh, reception desk does because you, got a phone. he's got the phone, which was a kind of computer, I suppose. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's funny because this is 1999. This is 1999 this episode aired. Or no, I think nine. It's either, I think it was January of 99. But either way, it was late 98, early 99. Computers were in most offices. And by most, I mean all. So it's just kind of, um, it's an oversight. And if when they do reboot Just Shoot Me, uh, sorry, when they do reshoot Just Boot Me, um, I think that everyone should have a computer, a fresh rebooted, reshooted computer. And uh, they were reboot the computer. a satire magazine as opposed to a real magazine. Yeah, yeah. They, just work, they just work for, uh, for, I don't know, name one of the 500 of them that exist now, only on the internet. If you only exist on the internet, you don't actually exist. And I say that as someone who only exists on the internet. Tell um, that to everyone in Ready Player One. Uh, what's that? It, it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> Is that another K-pop? Um, so we plant the seeds of, of, of Donnie just having no patience whatsoever for, uh, for Jack's trying to uh, relate to him. And he does the old pencil. By the way, I never got that. The rubber, the uh, pretend a pencil is rubber trick. It doesn't. I I know. Yeah. So try. Well, that's a. Pen. It, it's oh, so it's like it's like supposed to look like it's rubber. Yeah, as it as it as it. Yeah, know. but why not just buy a fake rubber pencil? Because because the trick is like bam, like I hit it against the table and now it's not rubber anymore. Okay, but what if I break it in half and, you know, it's lead everywhere. And now we've all been contaminated. Because you had to pretend it was fucking rubber. A joke is not pretending a thing is one thing that it ain't. A joke is saying, like, um, I don't know. I'm no Stephen Levitan, okay? I've never claimed to be. Except for on my taxes for the last 10 years. Um, Also, Elliot, is he supposed to be... Because he's like the photographer, yeah, but he, he wears this beret. Um, I, I mean, listen, I forget what, it, I mean, we were just getting over like this, the big band swing revival era of the 90s at this point. So maybe that was like a holdover that I'm, okay, so Jack has a computer. Jack has a computer and what almost looked to be an Emmy Award sitting there. I don't think George Siegel ever earned an Emmy Award. Yeah, it's got a couple. There's definitely a Cable Ace Award in there somewhere. 
if you were curious what a cable lace award looks like, there's a few of them hanging in Jack Galloway's office on Just Shoot Me. None of these are Emmys. But a few of them are ACs. ACs? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what are they called? KBs? No, that sounds like rabies. Uh, and again, so Jack keeps trying to explain to Donnie that it's a vacuum or that it's, um, you know, yeah. magnets and anything but a vacuum, which, okay, so you're smarter than me. You kind of do this stuff for a living, right? Um, oh. Is it a vacuum or is it magnets? Settle it once and for all. What makes those tubes work? It, it's, it's a vacuum because you, you create a... Like what I have, like what cleans my floor. Yeah, so... So I could do that with mail. I mean, depends on what kind of mail. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, postcards, old TV guides with uh, write-ups of Just Shoot Me in them? Then, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, I... Put the rollers on, you really want to... Yeah. Well, I have um, a couple of rare TV guides that were not meant to be printed, that were misprints, where they only print uh, previews for Just Shoot Me episodes. Keep those. Those are worth a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like Beanie Babies. Yes. They were actually on the cover of all of them. The Beanie Babies also guest starred on uh, Just Shoot Me. It was a co-branding thing with 98 Degrees. So I'm at a commercial again here. Uh, I keep getting commercials for beds. Uh, and that makes sense with my tired old ass. Uh, so was this... Now, are you a fan of David Cross as a stand-up comedian? Or... Are you, or... I... I... No, I'm a fan of David Spade as a stand-up comedian. Really? You I, do stand-up? <laughs> there's like a there's like a really old one on Netflix, which is how I found out he was in the same class as Brad Pitt or something. He comes into um, the song about raccoons, possum okay. kingdom. There we go. Toadies, possum kingdom. There we go. Okay. Um. But I like David Cross as, like, guest actors. Like, I think he was on Archer. Like, he voiced episodes in mm -hmm. Archer. He was in so Sabrina. when was this, I'm sorry, when was this David Spade special from? Was this, like, pre-SNL? Was this when he was on SNL? Or, like, more recent than that? I don't. Uh, I mean, how did the lighting look? Was his hair feathered or not? That's the big giveaway. It was feathered, yeah. Oh, so this was, like, probably, like, right around his SNL time then. Are you done with your... No, I still got a lot of ads to sift through. Um, and I'm also just going to pause this and we'll just talk about David Spade's stand-up career. Because, <laughs> I mean, come on. Dude went to University of Arizona. That dude is not dedicated to anything. Hey, hey. Sorry, Arizona State. I think he's a Oh, then, then of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, looks like I am back. We're getting the little Blush Magazine scroll. Stop faking it. Uh, which, you know... When they say stop faking it, what they mean is what Maya means to Donnie. Did you get that? Did you catch that? Yeah. But yeah. It, 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 there, at no point does it not remind me of like Cosmo, which I don't yeah. know if you've ever read Cosmo. Those front those, to back and back and forth, but continue. No, I just, I just remember like one of the sex tips was like, <laughs> don't be afraid to use your teeth. Oh no, and that's I'm not like, right. This cannot, this cannot be right. Was that written by David Spade? Did he do like a crossover to promote this show where he guest edited uh, an edition of Cosmo? Just like, use your teeth. Watch my special. I have feathered hair in it. I went no, to school but, with Brad Pitt. 
So, but what was weird was it was like tips by dudes. So it was a dude telling this to Cosmo, like, don't afraid, don't be afraid to use your teeth. And it's like, that guy's trolling. So you're not far off. Yeah, that was like a Vincent adult man scenario, like in Bojack, where it's just three kids in a trench coat uh, taking the job at Cosmo. Um, so yeah, I believe this is where Maya, is this where she concocts the grand plan to lure Donnie? I mean, why wouldn't she just tell Elliot, like, your brother's a dick and I don't like him. Or at this point realize that Elliot is so stupid that he doesn't see through this ruse that he's been doing for 10 years and dump his sorry beret-wearing ass. Maya deserves better. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But can you imagine them trying to, like, concoct the scheme in the pre- Like, this is pre-Zoom. Right. Like, you're like, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna sit on mute. And, uh-huh. and, and, <laughs> it's just- uh, I mean, I suppose to- Crack me up, this is 20 years old. I suppose they would just use a cell phone now. It would be a lot easier, right? Are you saying it'd be easier or harder today? It'd be almost the same thing, right? You know, you go into the conference. Oh, I think it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, the burbs. The burbs. Now, have you ever seen uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Burbs? I'm sorry, that was the one with Tom Hanks. Or Yeah. Um, have you ever seen The Birds, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, 1960? Tippy Hedren? Oh, but I have seen the one with Tom Hanks. Okay, he doesn't get attacked by birds. Uh, sorry, Boyd's. Um, so obviously they do the birds parody here. I never thought that that movie, The Birds, was scary because like it's birds, I'll kill them. I don't give a fuck. I've never met a bird I can't kill, and um, haven't. You also want to go hunt Canadian geese? I don't know why. Who 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 wants to do that? Me, me. I want to do. That. Oh, okay. I want to. No, I, I, I well, I'm not going to hunt them, but I'll punch one. No, but it, you got to kill them shit. because they fight back. So you have oh, to, okay. You have to and and they kill. they get big, right? Yeah, they get big. Okay, so that's a fair fight. I'm I'm down with that. Anything that's a fair fight, that's fine. But even like a little bird, like they just showed, like talk shit, like the talking kind, I punch it. I like Done. Birds. Fucking end of story. Uh, yeah. So this is this is pretty funny. Where Maya, you know, tells Elliot to go on mute, and he does because who boy is that ever relatable today? Am I right? Work from home, Zoom meetings. <laughs> Um, little, uh, just shoot me predicted it. Uh, now I don't know why this bothers me as a plot point in all sitcoms whenever they do this, when the person the ruse is being rused upon just instinctively knows what the ruse is. How would he know this? How would, come on. I know he's a grifter and a scam artist and he says that, but there's no way he knew this was happening. I think he saw that she was being like before she was being a little standoff. yeah you're yeah he was like she must be trying to catch me yeah maya does come on really like instantly to him uh david cross looks the same but somehow younger <laughs> like i can't now or then like he, like then like, yeah that's looks, age that's that's same. time fallon fallon time will uh time time will kill us all eventually so yes, we do look younger in the past. But but he has like the same like it's not like before he had a full head of hair. He's right. always 
been... No, this is the look that, uh, that, that, that got Amber Tamblyn to uh, settle for him. Man, talk about, <laughs> talk about batting out of, you know, hitting over your head. David Cross ending up with Amber Tamblyn. I don't know how the hell that worked. Still with her, I think. It's, it's like uh, Rob Schneider getting together with uh, L. King, I think it is. What? Jesus so, Christ. You know... Um, I mean, that has to have to do... L, 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 L. King is his daughter. He married a supermodel, had a baby with her, and it was L. King, who, who's Rob Schneider's daughter, who's now the singer. And I've always thought of them, like, I've always thought of L. King as, like, Meg from Family Guy, because there's a moment where Brian comes up to Meg and is like, you know, is there really a God? Your mother looks like Lois, and God made you look like Peter. <laughs> and, and that's how I feel about L. King. Like, her mother is a supermodel, and she looks yeah. like Rob Schneider. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, so they do a joke, and you've seen, I'm assuming you've seen Grown Ups and Grown Ups too. No. Okay, well, you're not part of the Sandman universe then, uh, not part of the Sandman fan jam. Uh, but there's a joke throughout that where I believe Rob Schneider's daughter is super hot and David Spade ends up, I think, hooking up with her. Uh, and, now uh, it all comes full circle. Yeah, so that's pretty fucked up to the, uh, you know, pulling from real life things there. Uh, but then again, Rob Schneider can eat a dick. Uh, also, Wendy Malick. So I draw the line in Frasier, and I said this on my episode with Siobhan, um, Frasier, my line of demarcation is when Wendy Malick appears because she's horny for both Martin and Frasier. I don't need that, you know? Um, I don't like her in Law and Order SVU. I didn't realize she was in that. You, she, she has a guest role as the producer of a reality TV show where one of the cast members gets raped. Okay, I thought you were going to say as the producer of Just Shoot Me, Stephen Levitan. I thought you were, she was really drawing from some lived experience there. Um, this is great. Now, again, I'm whatever about David Cross. He's very funny, but from everything I've gathered, he seems to be someone who takes himself a little too seriously. Um, but he's very, very good in this scene uh, where he finally explodes because he just can't hold it in at all anymore. Uh, with Jack's stupidity that is just fucking a vacuum system. <laughs> when he says it's the same reason a Pop-Tart jumps out of the toaster, that is, or why a helicopter, <laughs> my God. I will say this show had some pretty good individual lines, if nothing else. Not saying it didn't have anything else. Uh, one such reason I say David Cross takes himself a little too seriously Fallon, are you familiar with a, since we talk about Canadian geese, um, a Canadian silly goose uh, by the name of Nardwar, the human serviette? Is that, can you say that again? Nardwar, the human serviette, aka the human napkin. No. It's not a sex thing. Um, so Nardwar is a super, uh, and this might be why I enjoy him, super well-researched uh, interviewer. Uh, I'm at commercials, but we're just about towards the end here. Um, Nardwar is a super well-researched interviewer. You should look him up on YouTube. Uh, he does these interviews with, you know, famous people and not so famous people, musicians mostly, but then there's actors and comedians. And he does so much insane research and he gives them like these gifts of like things that like mean something to these people. 
And you could really go down a rabbit hole watching those interviews for like a week straight. And, um, and uh, David Cross was one of the people he interviewed once. And Nardwar is like, he wears plaid, everything. Um, he's super over the top. He always goes, doot, 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 doot. He makes the person say the final part. And when he went to David Cross, David Cross was just like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. I get your gimmick here. Okay, well, I'm not going to play along. And he's just like, God damn it, dude. Like, can you just like, like l- let someone else do what they do? Like, ugh. so, so you, you have burning hatred for David Cross. Yeah. For someone who uh, takes himself that goddamn seriously. Uh, it is my dream to, uh, to have Nardwar, the human serviette interview me for some reason, some God knows why. Is he, reason. Still, is he still doing it? Oh yeah. No, Nardwar. I'm telling you, look up Nardwar, the human serviette uh, on YouTube, and maybe I'll post some clips on the Instagram and Facebook page to elucidate, elucidate, enunciate, to pronounce his name correctly. Um, He is a wonder. He is a joy to behold. And anyone who tries to dim that joy or block it out, they can go, well, straight to whatever David Cross is doing now, which is just screaming at people on stage for 45 minutes. Uh, So, yeah, David Cross, Donnie gets got gets goofed by exploding on Jack. He tries to play it off with the chicken bye, chicken bye, chicken bye bye. Uh, which that was like the main thing I remembered from this episode as a kid uh, when I first saw it. The chicken pot, chicken pot. Yeah, well, I don't know, was that a jingle for chicken pot pie, I guess? Yeah. It, 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 it hit with the audience, so something that they knew. I, I've heard it before. Uh-huh. Like you mean on, like just now and Just Shoot Me, when you watched it earlier, that's when you heard it. No, like as a kid. Oh, okay. On Just Shoot Me. Uh, When you were a kid watching Just Shoot Me, yes. It was on this episode just now, twice. Goodness, Silas. Goodness. Um, So, Fallon, uh, I I don't think you watched this episode for a while, right? Like, not since you were, like, a kid or whatever, because you weren't really thinking about doing this one. Um, Would you say that this episode holds up? Oh, I mean, speak your truth. I like the birds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fine tiptoe around some firecrackers you got going there. I I like I like the birds. Um, I like the science of the vacuum. But, <laughs> this you is know, mostly this is mostly a science-driven, vacuum-driven episode. I noticed. <laughs> That's how I would classify this. Why not just call it vacuums? Um, yeah. um, I, I really, I really, I, cause I don't, I don't think you can make an episode that's like, Hey, this person's pretending to be mentally incapacitated. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's like, I don't like, think you should oh, either. I think we can say, yeah, you wouldn't probably because you shouldn't too. Yeah. Um, but like not even Seinfeld, which was like everybody doing the shittiest thing possible. Seinfeld. Oh, you mean Seinfeld on before. The Naked Truth starring Tay Leone and George Went, you know, the guy from Cheers. Precisely. Yes. Um, like, they they never, like, there's only one time that they kind of got close, but it wasn't, like, Kramer wasn't. Kramer, pretending. yes. He was yes. just, like. He was still played for laughs, though. Yeah. You know, like I said, but that was really, like, the, the humor of the time. Yeah, it was definitely the humor of the time. You know, that's why David Spade was able to do stand-up back then. You could not be David Spade and do stand-up today 
unless you're willing to do it in a field somewhere in rural Pennsylvania, probably. I mean, have you heard Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up lately? Uh, yes, because he's done the same stand-up for 35 years. Oh, um, <laughs> He, he okay. has three hours that he rotates uh, once every 10 years. Uh, no, um, I haven't, uh, but that's also because I've never cared for his stand-up. And also, uh, I've said this about whenever someone gets that wealthy, uh, it's impossible for them to be normal, you know? Yeah. Uh, same goes for Kevin Hart, Eminem. Uh, obviously, Michael Jackson was a different story with other things. But when you become that wealthy and famous, you're you're like isolated in your own house. You can't leave. Okay, wait, am I wealthy and famous now? Thanks, COVID. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like Jerry Seinfeld hasn't been able to be relatable because he even says in, um, in did you ever see that movie, uh, what's it called, Comedian, from like 2002? It's the documentary on, on Seinfeld. Uh, he talks to Colin Quinn and, uh, at a club and he says, you know, I can't go on stage and get like an honest read from people because they know me, you know, they know who I am. So they're just going to cheer me no matter what. Uh, which makes it very funny when he gets all bent out of shape over not being able to say whatever he wants to at colleges. Like, why are you doing colleges? Yeah, you know, like, um, I saw Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up relatively recently, maybe like a few years ago, and he legitimately had 10 minutes on people getting together and with their friends and being like, let's go see Jerry, let's go see Jerry, like 10 minutes of that, uh -huh. which was... Funny, I guess, but <laughs> I think I do. I think I did see that. I think I might have seen that in, in like a documentary or something, maybe about him and yeah. doing that bit. Uh, because I assume that Jerry Seinfeld assumes, uh, it's kind of like Poochie on The Simpsons when Jerry's not around, everyone should be asking, Where's Jerry? Let's go see Jerry. What's Jerry up to? And then also, like Poochie, Jerry Seinfeld will die on his way back to his home planet. exactly what you're referencing <laughs> and that's not a threat that's just me telling the future yeah they 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 killed pooch <laughs> mm -hmm. uh fallon uh do you have anything you would like to promote before we head on out of here i would like to promote everyone should go vote yes to vote go vote for who though you have I, to say for who I, I mean... I'm going to bleep it out if it's not who I agree with. <laughs> I'm, I'm voting for Nardwar the human serviette, even though he's Canadian. And I am voting for Elmo. But, no, that's... Uh, I... I was going to do an Elmo thing. Elmo thinks third parties are great! I don't know. It wasn't great. Um, okay, well, now that I derailed this, uh, no, it is important to vote. You should all do it uh, as many times as possible. Uh, different names doesn't it matter. Yes, and come to the Great Room where you can definitely vote uh, every Tuesday. Uh, you get five minutes to vote, 10 if you're good and I like you. Uh, Fallon Kidder, thank you so much for coming on and talking sit. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. If you would like to be a guest on Talking Sit, send us an email at talkingsitpod at gmail.com with the show and episode you would like to cover. And don't forget to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with a friend. Follow us on Facebook at Talking Sit Pod and Instagram at Talking Sit. And join us next week when our guest will be comedian Andy Lane. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. 
For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.